The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. Well, since Sean Payton kicked Spagnola to the curb and dropped him like a bag of dirt, uh, I put out the Florida Lee signal. We're having a mega podcast tonight. I'm your host, Ralph Marble. We are joined by everybody. We got Andrew Drew from the Saints, Na- Saints Nation. We got Dave Carroll, our fearless leader. We got Kevin Held, who does the power rankings and writes on Hakeem Drops the Ball when he's not drunk or high on heroin. Um, so let's get started with it, fellas. Uh, I'm going to say, I don't feel like the Saints organization in general knows a lot about defense. Look, Sean Payton is brilliant at offensive coordinator, but this is defensive coordinator number four in eight years. And as Kevin said, once you go to your fourth defensive coordinator in eight years, you officially become multiple divorce guy. And that means that the next X is always going to be perfect, is always going to be the solution. Um, The Saints have tried every variation of the 3-4. They did the... Ben Don't Break, Gary Gibbs, the crazy ass insanity blitzing with cash benefits, Greg Williams, and a shitty combination of both in Spags. So now they're going to 3-4. They're going to unleash the power of Junior Gallette and Wilson and all that. Um, we'll see how that goes. I worry about their drafting. They haven't drafted an elite defensive player in God knows how long. But before we get to all that, Kevin, you were in St. Louis, and you said repeatedly during the year as – the disaster of this defense that was it was unspooling before our eyes. You said repeatedly, uh, everybody in St. Louis is mocking the Saints. Steve Spagnuolo is terrible. You'll see. Ha, ha, ha. And they were all proven right. So what did we miss about the Spagnuolo hire? Because it was kind of unanimous that we all thought it was good. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, when, when he first came down, I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is one of those cases where a guy got too high up, uh, got out of his depth, became the head coach when he's really just suited to be a DC. I would, I would say, you know, I would that makes a Yeah. Okay. I, I, I wish I had a, a witty response to that, but I don't right now. I'm, I'm, I'm thrown off. I've got a, I've got a nice uh, oven ready pizza waiting for me. Um. Anywho, uh, you know, he did such a bang-up job with the Giants that I just kind of thought, or well, maybe we all kind of thought, hey, he'll coach him up on defense here with the Saints. He, he won't make the same stupid mistakes that Greg Williams will. He, he, he'll know to double-cover the fucking tight end when there's 94 <laughs> seconds left in the game. I'm not going to forget this. I will be on my fucking deathbed muttering about that, and nobody will know what I'm talking. Actually, no. I will raise my children and grandchildren, right? And they will know what I am fucking talking about. And they'll say, wow, grandpa and great-grandpa held Man lit, died a tragic death, muttering on about 94 seconds. Anywho well, about that. So he comes down here. We think, okay, he'll put things in order. He'll get this and that set up, and everything will be okay. He'll work well with Peyton. So then, boom, the bounty gate nonsense unfolds. 
Peyton's gone. They don't have a time. They don't have anything to gel with. And, yeah, it's like he had Joe Vitt and Carmichael, but his whole scheme just apparently wasn't working, and it wasn't for a lack of trying. The guy, like, the guy tried doing every little thing, tweaking things, and by the end of it, uh, you know, players were, like, giving him the hand <laughs> and to, to talk to literally. on the dance literally. So, I mean, yes, literally. <laughs> and, yeah, I would have been I, – I guess I'd have been okay if Peyton decided to keep him because, you know, it'd be Peyton's decision. At the same time, when I found out that Peyton fired him, I, I flipped out. I was I was kind of ecstatic at, at you know, <laughs> thinking, oh, my God, this is like a whole – this is a giant curveball to everything. This is a great swerve. I, I, I'm loving this. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm loving the – I'm loving the the giant shakeup and the fact that it's being brought on by our uh, our returning uh, head coach, who's the one actually doing the shaking up, as opposed to a power hungry uh, dictator who just has to prove his point through any means necessary. Well, Dave, uh, look, we'll toot your horn a little bit. Canal Street Chronicles just fucking killed it covering the story. Everybody had posted. You were pumping out material left and right. Uh, you even had one of your brilliant satire pieces by one of your uh, up and rising un- underlings. It got like, I think it's up to like fourteen hundred Facebook uh, likes. Um, but you wrote a piece because they thought it was real. <laughs> that makes it, Dave. That makes it better. When you get a when you get one of your satire pieces picked up by PFT as actual news, then you just de- get declared emperor of the internet. Um, but you wrote a piece about the future of uh, of Will Smith and Jonathan Vilma. No, uh, not Will Smith, just Vilma. Just Vilma. I, don't know the, I don't know what the future holds for Smith. I would say he's a gone for con. What about what about Vilma in general? Because I I feel like of all the guys, if the Saints have to make a move, he'll be the most difficult just because of what he went through with the bounty stuff. And and let's be honest, we as fans, we have a kind of an attachment to him because he was the one that stood up and gave Goodell the double bird the whole time. And even though he might be done as a player, I feel if the Saints do get rid of him, I, I'll generally feel bad, as bad as I felt if a player for the Saints leaves. What's the future going to hold for Vilma, you think? Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know. Obviously, I just I, – I don't think that they can keep him on his current contract. I mean, I, I think that's that's – one of the few certainties. I mean, I mean, if he's insistent on staying at that kind of a price tag, um, then I think he's just got to go. But, I mean, if he can restructure and wrap, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, and I don't know this personally, but I would have to imagine that the Saints as an organization um, are probably pretty proud of Vilmar, probably pretty happy with him for him sort of taking the heat and, and, and being the, the front man and, and fighting the entire Bounty Gate thing, um, all the way, you know, to the bitter end. Um, and there may be some, you know, there may be some compensation for that. But I would say that Vilma definitely is going to have to, if he wants to stay with New Orleans, I think he's definitely going to have to restructure. And I also think that, um, you know, I don't think he's going to go under that much interest from other teams just because of his age and injury history and all that. Um, you know, so if he's willing to restructure, I don't think that the thing switching – from the 4-3 to the 3-4 would be as big of a deal uh, for, for Vilma and his playing style as it was when he was with New York. Um, obviously, when he was with New York, Mangini came in, 
switched from the 4-3 to the 3-4, really screwed Vilma up, um, didn't jive with him very well. His production dropped, and the Jets basically allowed him to go and shop for a trade. And uh, <clears throat> and that was because, you know, Vilma was younger, and he was a sideline-to-sideline kind of guy, could cover a lot of field. That's what he liked to do. Um, and uh, with a 3-4, that's not really so much necessary. That's not really so much his thing. Uh, you, you know, you don't have to be such. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. So much a sideline-to-sideline guy, there's there's less field to cover because you got an extra guy there to cover it. Um, so, I mean, as far as the technical, and, you know, I'm not a huge X's and O's guy. I never played one goddamn down of real football in my life. So take all this with a grain of salt. But, I mean, just from a uh, practical standpoint, uh, you know, this is what I would assume is the case. Uh, you know, I, I would say if they switch to a 3-4, I mean, now that Vilma's older, maybe he can't cover as much field as he used to. You know, maybe he'd fit a little bit better in a 3-4 scheme uh, and wouldn't feel so restricted. And, uh, you know, so maybe maybe – Switching to a 3-4 doesn't necessarily have to be the end um, for Vilma, like I think all of us would, would have initially guessed and initially speculated as soon as we heard you know, the news that the Saints were switching. I think everybody in Houdan Nation, when, when they found out that the Saints were going to a 3-4, they said, oh, Vilma's gone. Uh, and I just don't think that that necessarily has to be the case. But that all hinges again on whether he's willing to uh, take less money because whatever he's making seven million a year or whatever, I, I just think that's too much for him. Well, I mean, if they, if he, I mean, they paid Scott Shanley a million and a half, and he didn't play hardly any uh, the second half of the year. So, I mean, if Vilma was be willing to go that low, there's no reason why he can't be the second to last or you know a backup linebacker on the roster. But that brings me to you, Andrew. You, Andrew, you watched the film of this team. You you had to grade this defense all year long, and you're still. You're probably just out of rehab from all the drinking you had to do after watching the film. Um, does this team does it does it even have personnel to run a competent three four with the roster as it as it is now? Uh, I think there's some pieces that are in place that could work in a three four. Um, you know, by and large, I mean there's definitely going to need to be some some changes um, in order to pull that off and. 
you know, I, I was telling you this before the podcast that I'm a little concerned about that just because of the reality that you're looking at, uh, you know, a, a monumental change and a completely different ch- a change in the scheme, a change in just the, the foundation of the defense. And, um, you know, you're on top of that, John Clayton's coming back, you're getting a new defensive coordinator. It's a lot of changes um, in a season. So we'll see how that goes. But um, when you look at the Saints, I mean, and, and I disagree about Vilma, um, you know, what Dave said. I mean, I, I think he's done. I, I think he's a he's a 4-3 linebacker. He couldn't cut it as a 4-3 linebacker this year. We saw it. And I think, look, I, as Saints fans, I, and my heart's telling me this, and I think all of our hearts are telling us that we want, Vilma to be a vampire or a Highlander, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be at 278 years old and he's still going to be the Saints middle linebacker and his knee's going to regenerate. And, you know, he's basically going to stay forever, but, um, you know, father time catches up with every football player at some point. And, um, if you're a smart GM or a smart coach, you've got to pick up on that and, and know when it's time to let someone go. And as hard as it's going to be with Vilma, um, for me, I think that cut is a no brainer. From, from just not only the fact that he can't cut it from a personnel standpoint as a 3-4 linebacker, but um, I don't even think he's good enough to play 4-3 anymore. But um, beyond that, um, I think you've got to look at it as can you do you have five or six players that you can build around to, to make that Do fly? they? And so can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Do they okay. have five or six players? I don't know so, that they do. So the guy – so, I mean, you look at in the interior, I mean, Hawthorne is a guy that can play middle linebacker. So, you know, I think Hawthorne and Lofton have the, the two middle spots on lockdown. Then the big question becomes, you know, can Martez Wilson and Junior Gillette be, be the edge guys? And certainly they have the talent, but they've yet to prove anything in the NFL. And, and I, I don't know that I can count on those two guys to come in, be starters on either side of the edges and be those outside linebackers. Um, you know, I think you could potentially see Akeem Hicks and Cam Jordan. Those are two guys that could be the ends in a 3-4 system because they're good run stoppers and they have nice size. But for a 3-4 to really work, you've got to have a mammoth plug of a nose tackle that can just eat space. And Broderick Bunkley's not that guy, and they don't have him currently on their roster. So if they're going to do it right and they're going to do a 3-4 and they're actually going to be able to pull it off, um, for me, that's the one glaring need. If we're assuming that Gillette and Martez Wilson are going to kind of pull it off, if we're assuming that the middle linebackers are going to play well, if we're assuming that Cam Jordan and Hicks can maybe be the starters at end and do a decent job, um, that, that to me is it's right off the bat the one starting player that they don't have. It's going to have to be a nose tackle that they get either in free agency or in the draft. Well, but if, if Bunkley, if he can't play nose – where can he play? He can't play end for damn sure, right? I mean, do you have to eat him? I mean, if you're going three four, do you have to eat him? I mean, they paid him a lot of money. Yeah, I, I'd have to look and see how his contract is structured, but uh, if if it's a relatively painless cut, um, absolutely. I think it's one they got to make. I think I think Will Smith, Vilma, and Broderick Bunkley need to be cut immediately. Kevin, uh, here's a question for you. Are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, Joe Vitt's testimony leaked today. And yes, I, it did. Yes, it did. And and leaked or leaked or burst forth 
<laughs> like, like, like the dam at the end of, uh, of Frankenstein meets the Wolfman engulfing everything in its path. Um, I enjoyed it so much that I read it during my lunch when I was eating my lunch, and I read it again when I got home just because it was so – if you haven't, find it, triplets, Mike Triplets article on NOLA.com, or just find it wherever you can and read it. It's just enjoyable. Um, the one thing that I sort of took from it was uh, a sort of sense that the saints really felt like they were getting screwed. I mean, they were throwing people out of the building, and and it was just it was kind of I mean, not I don't want to go into too much detail, but it was kind of wild of what happened with it. Um, what's your sense? of how it will affect them going forward maybe and what's your what's your sense of his leaked testimony that it will will it is it too late to change anything about the about how people feel about the bounty uh case and all that nationally oh it's absolutely too too late to change anything nationally i mean i i can't see i can't see any circumstance when any national media person who, you know, the fact that most of them already came out and bought the league's word hook, line, and sinker, you know, you got you got fools like Peter King who just built up everything that, that, that the league was saying, everything Goodell was saying. Hell, you got local guys who were, who were gulping up everything that, that the league was saying uh, without asking any questions. The whole, oh, we got 50,000 pages and 18,000 documents and coaches and other people testifying and confirming all this, and everybody already bought it. So why would they go back on it and essentially admit that they themselves were wrong or duped or easily taken in and conned? I mean, why would they admit that they were anti-Teoed on the whole thing when it's just easier to just go along and not bring it up? I, I mean, this is Super Bowl week. You're not going to hear Dick about – about this in the national media, you're going to hear about does Roger Goodell worry about his safety? Should he worry about his safety? I mean, shit, that's what they were asking James Carville on Mike and Mike this morning. They were asking James Carville yeah, if Goodell should feel yeah. safe. Yeah, we're going to treat him with respect. Uh, which brings me to my next point, Dave. Uh, and I think you, with you're leading the brilliant community of Canal Street Chronicles. You have a pulse of the Saints fandom. Uh, you know, what are the odds on a scale of 1 to 10 that there is an incident with Goodell? Uh, I like the, 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 the Twitter of somebody saying, find him and photobomb him. I like that idea. Um, not the Twitter, the, the Goodell tracker, that's just to help people. I mean, the ultimate yeah. goal... Is, is for everybody to submit and email us pictures of them, you know, photobombing Goodell, doing something silly, crazy, all that, you know, giving him the finger, stuff like that. The tracker was just invented uh, just to, to, help, to, aid, help the, aid, yeah, to aid people in finding the, him once he's here. Well, I don't think fans are going to do anything nuts. No, and, I, and I, we don't condone violence or, or anything. We don't want you to touch Goodell. We don't want you to put anything in his food. We just want you to, you know... Get a silly picture with him in the frame. But do we want? Well, yeah, well, I mean, we're not Niners fans for Christ's sake. No, we don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to shiv Goodell. I think Crew Devoo did it the best. Where you have him crawling out of a vagina, or 
uh, fucking a dog. I mean, that's that's classy New Orleans stuff. But Dave, do we want a drunk Bobby A. Bear wearing an Affliction T-shirt at the annual State of the NFL Commissioner Address on Friday? Do we want that to happen? Yes, absolutely, uh, absolutely. We, you know. As the, the second you said, do we want a drunk Bobby Hebert and an Affliction t-shirt, it didn't even matter what you said after that. The answer was going to be yes. <laughs> um, you know, so, it, you know, it, 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 the only thing that, you know, wouldn't have been acceptable was, like, do we want him to, you know, kill dogs or young children or anything like that. Anything other than that, the answer would have been yes. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm all for Bobby Hebert making a, an answer of himself. You know, you know, it, I'm, I'm one. I think the guy is a complete idiot. He's obviously probably has a drinking problem. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, I, I like the fact that he sort of thumbs his nose at the mainstream media, you know, from within. You know, technically he's part of the, the mainstream media, but he does things like root for the Saints and uh, get pissed off at Les Miles post-game press conference, uh, you know, when LSU loses in the national championship. Yeah, because he's your typical, you know, uh, sports parent, um, but uh, you know, so, so you know, it's 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 a give and a take with Bobby Bear, but uh, you know, undoubtedly something crazy is going to happen this week of the Super Bowl, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I really am. You know, things, it's exciting to be here because I mean, I'm not even downtown. I'm going to probably do my best to avoid downtown at all costs. Um, but it is cool that you know, all eyes are on New Orleans, and everybody's watching, everybody's talking about us, and uh, you know, it's bringing us money and. Uh, all that good stuff, so uh, I'm all for it. And like I said, with, with the Goodell tracker, I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give. My goal is not to give New Orleans a bad name and have somebody do something stupid and never have the Super Bowl in New Orleans ever again. Uh, but I, I, I do think that Goodell should, should, uh, you know, should definitely get a little taunting. So we're gonna play. We're gonna have game time right now that I just thought of. So I'll start with you, Andrew. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you two scenarios. You tell me what's more likely to happen. Uh, scenario one. Uh, a media member at media, uh, somebody at media day dresses up in a bloody white suit and tries to ask Ray Lewis questions. Or scenario B, or scenario B, Bobby Abair gets handcuffed and carried out during the state of the commissioner address. Well, we know that Jeff, uh, I'm sorry, that uh, Bobby Abair has a severe drinking problem. And, <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, yeah, allegedly, and uh, we know that he's got a, a penchant for um, causing ruckus at uh, at random things and getting kicked out. Um, you know, whether it was a Les Miles press conference, whether it was the press the press box at the Superdome. Um, so he's got a track record with this. So I, I'm going to go with option B, and I'm going to say that his his weapon of choice this week will be some some good old fashioned Goldschlager. <laughs> All right. All right, Kevin. Your two Super Bowl scenarios most likely to to happen. Uh during media day, uh Chris Berman makes nine hundred and twenty seven Eagle Eagles references and his head spontaneously combusts. Or the Harbaugh brothers show up to Media Day drunk and uh Jim gives John a noogie at midfield. Oh. Wait, those guys are brothers? <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. 
Perfect timing. That's what we call comedic timing, folks. Um, uh, you know what? I'm going to go option B on that because here's the thing. Chris Berman, it, it, the, the Chris Berman would only be able to reach 927 references if it was just him and Tom Jackson. But the problem is they're going to have 19 people on the ESPN dais, and he's not going to get to talk as long as he would like because they're going to have to split time between him and Tom Jackson and Ditka and Chris Carter and Keyshawn Johnson and Tim Hasselback and uh, Teddy Bruschi and Schlaris and Susie Culver and Mort and Shefty. And who else am I forgetting? Uh, mm. I mean, I, I think I just named like 12 people, you know, 9, 10, 12 people there. I don't know. And there's probably, oh, yeah, uh, bald-headed troll-looking guy with the uh, the ponytail. Uh, <laughs> him, he'll, he'll beam in for a couple of minutes. And then they'll beam him back out, cut that in with, uh, with a couple of non-playing players who I'm sure will come in and be guests. They'll have to talk. Oh, yeah, Merrill Hodge. They'll probably bring Sean Salisbury back for old time's sake. They'll probably get Chaws. They'll probably get Tarico. Hell, they'll probably have Gruden breaking film down in his uh, van or bus or whatever, yelling at people. This guy, I call this guy the film breaker, all that kind of stuff. So Chris Barman has no shot of of setting uh, of setting the, the all-time record with Eagles references. He's going to be too busy trying to shoehorn in a couple of Bills jokes here and there and uh, a, a couple, uh, trying to reference, you know, Super Bowl's past and trying to, you know, suck off uh, Joe Namath's legacy for the 10,000th time, even though Joe Namath is, is overrated as all fuck. I'm betting on the Harbaugh brothers having some kind of physical contact. It may not be a noogie, but I could honestly see the media trying to go them into having a handshake off and something like that occurring. All right, so Dave, here's your scenario. Scenario A is a drunken San Francisco fan gets run over by the new streetcar line. <laughs> or, or, or B, during the postgame ceremony, Colin Kaepernick not only wins the MVP, but gets an MVP trophy tattooed on his back during the ceremony. Uh, well, you know, I would go with B, but I don't really know if there's any room on his back for another tattoo, especially not one the size of the Lombardi trophy. So uh, I'm going to go with A. And, and, and to, be, to be honest with you, um, you know, I, I think it might be more than one San Francisco 49ers fan that gets run over. Uh, I think that might be a, a uh, you know, a, re- a recurring theme for the week. Uh, so yeah, let's 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 go with uh, let's go with option A there, Alex. All right. Um, well, I, I tell you what, that's I bet I bet heavily on that scenario out of all six of them because if the yeah. Niners lose, you know, a bunch of drunken Forty Niners fans are going to take to the streets and try and tip over shit, and they're going to tip up cars, street cars. I know those... that over. No, you won't, Jamoni. Yeah. yeah, I mean those street cars are going a good. Moving at a steady ten mile an hour clip, so those things come out of nowhere. Oh goodness gracious, uh, Andrew! Uh, I'm going to lay out. A, we're going to talk about actual football for the next thirty. What about you guys, I think this is a good show. It is. It is. We're going to talk about actual football for the next thirty to forty five seconds. Ed Reed is a free agent after this year. 
Oh now, I know the, please, the, please the, come home to New Orleans. Well, that's what I was going to say. Andrew, he's 34 years old. Darren okay. Sharper was 34 years old when he had the one last lottery ticket season for the Saints in 2009. Uh, so I think it's 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 worth a shot, Andrew. If you're the Saints, do you don't you have to at least make that phone call if you're Mickey Loomis to Ed Reed's agent? Absolutely, no question about it. I mean, you know, being a good defense is all about playmakers, and um, you know we talked about this earlier in the year, Ralph, where uh, an NFL player told me that his opinion of the Saints' defense was that there was no one to really game plan for. You know, in other words, they, they had a bunch of decent players, but no one that kind of put the fear in you where you really had to account for that guy at all times where is he on the field. And um, even a diminished Ed Reed is, is a guy that can make a play on the ball, and the Saints currently have no one on the back end that can do that. So um, as far as I'm concerned, an aging Ed Reed is an upgrade as long as he can run, you know, as long as he's healthy. I mean, we saw that a diminished – Darren Sharper on one knee in his second year with the Saints was was not worth having, um, but Darren Harper in his first year with the Saints was was a godsend. So, um, but I think you know I I think you put together an offer that you can justify. You know maybe it's 1.5 million, maybe it's two million a year, whatever they can afford, and you put it in front of them. And if he takes it, great. And if some other team throws stupid money at it, at him, and he's willing to take that over the Saints, then then so be it. But uh, I think the Saints would be remiss not to at least test the waters for sure. Speaking of the Saints' off-season moves and whatnot, um, they had an interesting piece, which I, I forgot to mention when we were talking about Joe Vitt's testimony, but I'm going to go back to it because it's so fantastic. Uh, in the article, in the testimony, Part of it was the reason why the Saints were getting so fed up with Greg Williams was he was allegedly texting Jeff Duncan who the Saints were going to pick during the draft uh, and leaking the picks before they came out, and that would piss off the Saints. Uh, Jeff Duncan apparently just wrote a piece on NOLA.com denying it, saying he'll take a lie detector test, yada, yada, yada. Um, Kevin, how does this affect your esteemed opinion of Jeff Duncan? I'm not really sure it had anywhere to go but but up. So, batting down the hatches, people. Uh, so, can you comfortable, Andrew? Now? I'm comfortable. I got my feet up. I'm, I just been, you know. What am I? What, 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 what am I? What, what am I supposed to say here? How am I supposed to tackle this? What, like, I'm supposed to have, I'm supposed to have some kind of respect or or or, or understanding with Jeff Duncan. No, I, I I don't. The the guy, the guy, hails from Kentucky, comes to New Orleans, and basically trolls the entire city and the fan base. And then when the Super Bowl rolls around, and and his and his good pal Hare Goodell decides to grace the city with his presence, suddenly acts. Oh, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be uh, town representative in chief. I'm the self-appointed. Uh, representative for all good shit going on in here, and it's an absolute joke. It was a joke to read. This guy, let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm willing, as a man of, of reason and logic and science and all that kind of nice shit, I'm willing to concede in the possibility that Jeff Duncan may not be 100% full of shit. Mm. I'm willing
willing to concede that. And that there may be a kernel of truth in things that Duncan says, just like there might be a kernel of shit found in my toilet at some point over the weekend. I'm willing to concede all that. And even if Duncan is correct, the fact remains it's still more likely that what Joe Vitt had to say, and, 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 and while I'm talking about Mr. Joe Vitt, hang on a second. Hang on, because I haven't done this since, since the Dallas game in 09. Hang on. <laughs> At the standing ovation in my tiny-ass kitchen for Joe Vitt, what Joe Vitt said in his testimony ties in wonderfully with what we already know and expect and think and feel <laughs> about Jeffrey Duncan versus what Jeff Duncan throws up about the team. <laughs> so let's see. What we already think and feel and suspect about Jeff Duncan is further validated or Joe Vitt is Kaiser fucking Sose. <laughs> you tell me, esteemed members of the panel, is Jeff Duncan truly a jackanape, if I may borrow a Shakespearean slur? Or is Joe Vitt a, ma a mastermind of the Hungarian Mafia who disappeared from the office of the LAPD back in the 90s, cut his hair short, grade, got a prescription, moved to New Orleans, became a football coach, and somehow masterminded an entire scheme to get rid of Greg Williams, who probably needed to get fired, some dopey, incompetent guy named Mike Cirillo, and find a way to somehow discredit an already an already uh, why readily established blowhard in the local media? Why would you waste all that ability and power setting up such a grab if you're Joe Vitt? Mm. Unless there was, unless there already was some sort of truth to it. So, you, so hell, get, 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 never mind the fucking White House petition. Get on Kickstarter. Cancel the Goodell tracker, get on Kickstarter, and let's fund and get some goddamn money together and go to and go to fucking Jack Duncan's door uh, if he, you know if he isn't too busy trying to rent it out to 49ers fans at fucking Jabroni. <laughs> and let's go to his fucking door or whatever hotel room or whatever place he's renting right now. Whenever oh, I know where he lives, he lives right by me. with some fucking cash and say, let's go take the lie detector test, pal. Let's go take the lie detector test. Here's here's ten thousand dollars. Here's twenty thousand dollars. How much you want? Go in there with ten. If he says no, 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 I won't do it for less than thirty. Then back up the fucking truck that you had the extra money stashed on because you knew he, he was going to try and jack up the price because he strikes me as the kind of fellow that's going to move the goalposts back on you. So you back it up and say, okay, you said thirty. Well, in fact, fuck it. Here's forty. Keep the change, pal. Let's go take the lie detector test. I'm very much interested in that. Well, the, you want to take you the lie a detector? Take the lie detector. Hell, do it free of charge. Prove, be a magnanimous son of a bitch. 
You can get a lot of things funded on. You get that convinced. You can get a lot of things funded on Kickstarter. We just if they can get a Lindsay Lohan, they got a Lindsay Lohan porno movie practically funded on Kickstarter. So we can we can get this thing done. I think we had two hundred and thirty-two signatures on the petition before the White House took it down. I, I mean, this that. is this is this is this is nonsense. This is utter nonsense. <sighs> Joe, let me tell you, if Jeff Duncan, Jeff Duncan would wilt under the sort of actual real pressure that Joe Vitt and Peyton and Loomis and all those guys were su- were subjected to in this so-called investigation. Okay, I think- a guy like Duncan would wilt. If he had to deal with that kind of criticism, oh, oh, he gets to deal with jackals like me and guys like, uh, uh, you know, Jews, or or he has to deal with Dave, or he has to deal with Ralph, or he has to deal with Scoops, or any number of other folks on Twitter that get on his ass all the time. Woo! Oh no! Oh, the bad kids on Twitter. The bad kids on Twitter are walking by the house. Lori, and they're making In funny faces at me. Whatever me will I do? Go deal with a federal and go deal with with a Goodell investigation and be threatened with losing your fucking well-being and your livelihood for a year or half a year and have your reputation, your actual reputation among your own fucking peers, be completely tarnished. Well, with that, dude. I would say I would say for our let me tell you, having your reputation as a guy who's had his reputation called into question several years ago and somehow had to fucking soldier on with that, let me tell you, Jeffrey, it fucking blows. Okay? I would love to fucking be called a troll. But apparently you fucking revel in it. You bathe in it like a pig in shit, pal. You bathe in it like a pig in shit. You want to be a fucking troll? Be a troll. Go be a troll in fucking Kentucky. Go rag on Louisville. Go rag on uh on fucking Calipari. You don't need to be around here. I don't give a rat's ass how many fucking members of the NOLA Media Group you've got saying, oh, he fucking converted. He's a New Orleanian now. Blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. When I say a converted New Orleanian, I think of the guy that I'm on the fucking show with right now Cariello. That's oh, who I fucking think of when I said, no, 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 I'm not blowing fucking smoke. I'm calling it like I fucking see it. The guy fucking moved years. down here. He lives, he lives in New Orleans. I'm not a good New Orleanian. I'm not. I fucking moved. I live in St. Louis. I'm not a good New Orleanian. Ralph's a good New Orleanian. Not really. I'm not. I don't get down there enough. Dave is, Dave is, is New Orleanian enough for all three of us, Okay. Dave knows did, what he's fucking I did, doing. I did write Dave, a, a guy from New Orleans. Of and tweets pictures of it enough for all three of us. Trust me, <laughs> he's a quality New Orleanian knock on wood. He knows what he's doing. I take his fucking word over Jeff Duncan. Jeff, go back to fucking Kentucky and just bury your goddamn head in the sand, all right? You're well, fucking a, useless. The opinions it. upon this podcast useless. are each individual of his own. Uh... You know, and you wind you wind me up. You wind me up, man. I did. I was like, I teed it up. You can't act. You can't act surprised when Frankenstein's monster drowned the fucking kid. No, we're not. No, we're not. It 
it's fantastic that you melted down like this at the end of January and the Saints aren't even playing. That's oh, oh dude, come on, man. We must be doing something right. It is. Uh, Imagine if the fucking Falcons were in this game. Oh, my God. Imagine if the Falcons were in this game. Oh, my God. 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 Oh, and I own a New Orleans-based business, and I own two houses in, in, in New Orleans. But, uh, you know, if, if you want a varying viewpoint here, you know, to be honest with you, because I think I slightly disagree with Kevin here, um, I don't think that, that that Duncan was getting texts from Williams. Um, one of the things, you know, proof, proof being that, I mean, has Duncan ever really – was Duncan ever really scooping these draft picks? Not that I can remember. Oh. Uh, so if he was getting these text messages, he wasn't using them. Uh, I agree with Kevin that um, it was probably very intimidating when Greg Bensel comes up to you and says, uh, we need to have a meeting, and you meet in the hallway with Bensel, Mickey Loomis, and uh, Peyton, and they're saying, what are you doing? You know, you can't be doing this. Uh, I'm sure that was very intimidating. Um, I just I I don't think that was him. I don't I don't think he was getting these text messages. Maybe it was another reporter, like Duncan says. Uh, I actually tweeted Duncan this evening after he wrote that story, and I think and 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 he tweeted back at me, and uh, Jeff seems to think that uh, that nobody was receiving text messages from Williams. Uh, and you know the other evidence I, I would say is this: How many times on this podcast and on Canal Street Chronicles and everywhere else? I mean, how many times have we talked about? Sean Payton's paranoia. Uh, yes. I mean, I mean, Ke- I mean, Ralph, you, I believe you've experienced this firsthand. No, it's Kevin. Uh, but, Kevin with the parents. Kevin, sorry, you're right. You're right. right. Kevin experienced this firsthand with Scott Fujita and, and the water slide and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so Kevin, you of all people should know that Sean Payton is one paranoid motherfucker. Yeah, it's like he's high 24-7 and he's constantly paranoid. So, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question that, uh, you know, maybe just Peyton had an inkling, you know, or had a hunch that this was going on and maybe got a little paranoid and went a little overboard and made some accusations maybe that were, uh, were not untrue. Uh, so, I, I, mean, the, I mean, the other side of it is, is I think Jeff Duncan would probably relish the fact that every you know, if it was true, I think Jeff Duncan would be more than okay with knowing that people, you know, that he was receiving text messages from Greg Williams. I mean, I mean, I don't know about I, I'm not really a, a reporter, but if I was a reporter and and, and it came out that that one of the defensive co- that the defensive coordinator for the team that I'm covering, I'm so tight with him that he's text messaging me. Um, I would think that that that's good for your your reporter cred. Well, I mean, I would think, wouldn't uh, it? No, 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 because let me tell you, the, the last guy, the last guy who tried to revel in in having inside sources, uh, yeah, Kenny Logan, I, I, is got, is uh, he, <laughs> is is what well, was was reduced to hosting like a fucking internet radio show, uh, <laughs> at, on on some fucking back page blog, and I ain't talking about Ralph. No, don't, but don't bet. You know, you know. <laughs> You know, that's a. Com- I take that as a compliment. 
to say to say back page. I thought you were gonna say I thought you were just gonna say out of a dumpster. Uh but look, I'm gonna say this and this and you know, if it gets out there it may be out there already, but whatever. Um I read the the, the I skimmed the def, the Jeff Duncan article while Kevin was melting down. Um and listen y'all know Kenny Walker's time to read it twice. And and it's like exactly. So the uh I just I love the I love Joe Vitt. He needs his own reality show, Dave. I don't care. He just he does, does he does need a reality. If anybody deserves a reality show, it's Joe Vitt. I agree with you, Ralph. He's a breath of fresh, of honest fresh air. I, yeah. I agree with you one hundred percent on that. I feel like even after he like maybe retires, like he could, they could just he's just great. I love him. But what I was gonna say is, look, um, everybody knows that if you listen to this podcast or whatever, Kenny Wilkerson, he's a little bit crazy, but he's my boy because he. A lot of the stuff that I did, I was able to do was because of him. He's a little bit wacko. He's a little bit crazy. But he's loyal. If you're loyal to him, I like him. But I'm going to tell this story that he told me where, look, when he was covering the Saints in 06, he was still covering – he was still on WWL. And was, Harper? Yeah. And yeah. The, the whole thing is Sean Payton, he, he broke it before the Saints issued the press release, and Sean, Sean Payton just – basically got him in a room and like screamed him down and was like, you're going to give me your sources, blah, 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 blah. And Kenny Wilkerson, you could say whatever you want about him. He just, you can't intimidate that guy. He just, you just can't. I mean, I saw him and Buddy just fucking motherfucker each other in the, in the, in the sports office at WWL where I was like, I need to leave. I think they're going to come to blows. Um, and that story that he told is kind of similar to what Jeff Duncan said. So, you know, it's just like Kevin said, Sean Payton, he comes from the Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, paranoia, lock it down, no leaks, no nothing. I want control over everything. And, you know, probably either they thought or they thought they maybe they could intimidate Jump Duncan a little bit. So, I mean, Andrew, where do you fall on this? Well, I just think Jeff Duncan is the ultimate troll, I and mean, I think he he takes any opportunity. Nobody, I, I, nobody I, mean, I think there's a place in the world for guys like that, and he 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 loves it. He's accepted that role. I mean, it's kind of like Skip Bayless on ESPN. You know, Skip Bayless is, is going to say whatever he needs to say to get under people's skin, to be controversial, and as a result, um, get people talking about him. And I think that's Jeff Duncan's motto too. And I, I just think. He's done this time and time again where he's just jumped on any opportunity to troll the Saints, to throw something in the face of New Orleans and Saints fans to get the discussion going. I really think at the end of the day that that's all Jeff Duncan is. And let's call a spade a spade. And he's all about his name getting out there and circulated. And, you know, the old saying that, you know, even bad press is good press or whatever. I I just think he's found his niche. You know, he, he's that troll-tastic reporter in New Orleans that everyone kind of hates, and he, he's assumed that role. So it is what it is. I think we can all agree on that. Whole yeah. thing. I mean, I have no idea. I don't really care. I mean, I, I'm sure that Sean Payton was partially um, paranoid, and I'm sure at that point they were pretty much looking for any reason to fire Greg Williams. So whether it was they were paranoid about that or something else that would have come a day later, um, you know, there was going to be something that came out about Greg Williams sooner or later because the fact of the matter is they wanted him out of there. I personally, 
I just love the, the Jeff Duncan, who is someone I can't stand, somehow got attached in all this and maybe got a little bit of negative press just because it was a chance for us to give him a little taste of his own medicine and troll on him for a little bit. Well, anytime Kevin can just melt down for five to seven minutes and he can mention Kaiser Sose, uh, I think it's a win all around. I think it's a win yes. for America. And, and Shakespearean terms. I mean, exactly. We, we, we learned something today. Exactly. I feel like in a parallel universe, Kevin is doing Shakespeare in the park in Denver with homeless people. <laughs> I have. I, I, <laughs> that's 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 great. I, I like I like that alternate history. I mean, that's uh, that's uh, that's that's Earth two, Kevin. Yeah. So, all right, Kevin, I'll go with you. Look, the Saints have to hire a defensive coordinator, and they have to hire a secondary coach because Sean Payton was like, Spagnuolo, you're gone, and this little secondary guy you brought with you, he's gone too. Oh, the, oh, the secondary guy had to go. Like, like <laughs> Ken, Ken Sajol, I knew, I knew who that guy was because oh, no. he was the fucking D.C. for the Rams. He was the fucking D.C. for the Rams. So... You know, exactly. So you think, all right, we'll bring we'll bring Spagnolo in, and he'll be good because he's taking a step back. So maybe his guy will be good because he's taking a step back as a position coach, and the thing just fucking tanked. So you had to run them both. Well, you had to run them both. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's what I was going to ask you, Kevin. Who do you? And I'll start with you, and then we'll get to. Dave and Andrew. Who do you want as defensive coordinator? Can you give me a name? Or if you can't give me a name, give me a guy. Do you want a retread guy? Or do you want some young, up-and-coming guy that we've never heard of? What do you want? I got two to... names. I okay. got two names already, Chief. I fucking tweeted this. I ran this shit on, on Canal Street Chronicles in that comment uh, section when everybody was running around saying, maybe we can get Romeo Cornell. Maybe we can get Romeo Cornell. I ain't buying Romeo Cornell at all. Two guys. Oh, fuck. What the hell is his name? Uh, Chip Smart or Ken Smart, the D.C. in Bama. Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart, thank you. Yeah. Or Grantham, the D.C. at Georgia. You might now, have... Now, the guy Grantham... Now, now here, let me go, let me go for, with, with the, uh, Kirby Smart. If we get Kirby Smart... We're getting a guy that's been working with a guy that has had a long, uh, long success rate in the college game. He knows the defense. Saban, even though he blew in the NFL as a coach and couldn't cut it, the guy still had experience and can and probably could impart some wisdom to a guy who's going to make the jump to the NFL, even if it's at a DC position and can try and just give him a couple of pieces of advice leaving. And it's a win-win for, for anybody as an LSU fan, because technically speaking, you're weakening Nick Saban by taking one of his, uh, by taking one of his lieutenants. Well, the, the other guy, Grantham, I went and, I went and, uh, and heard from my, uh, my guy who knows a guy, and was saying that somebody in the Saints organization threw that guy's name out, because they liked what he was doing in Georgia, and they liked that he had previous experience. So I was like, I don't know what the hell that meant. So I went and looked up on Wikipedia. And then I, you know, cross-reference, pro-football reference and stuff. 
the guy's been part of a wide variety of turnarounds with the Colts, with the Texans, with the Browns. He actually got the, something out of the fucking Cleveland Browns. And then, boom, whenever he'd bolt, whenever he fucking left town, the team would stink or something bad would happen. And he wanted to fight the coach at Vanderbilt. So That's fine. That's great, too. That shows Moxie. I'm fine with that. But, so I say we get Grantham on board as the D.C. so I can start making Downton Abbey jokes <laughs> and Downton Abbey photoshops and putting them on Canal Street Chronicles. And we can start asking questions like, who's going to be the secondary coach? Is it going to be Bates? Is it going to be uh, Is it going to be Mr. Carson? Or, or or maybe it's going to be that asshole Thomas. See, I swear to God, there's I, one of you out there that's listening to me that's laughing your ass off, and I salute you for that. Well, I, Andrew, I knew there was a reason why he threw out some weird fucking name, defensive coordinator for Georgia. He just wanted to work it into a – he just wants to be able to Photoshop Downton Abbey people. I knew there was a reason. Well, and, I, I, the, guy, no, the guy's qualified, no, he, though. He, it's he, a perfect song for me. He's qualified, and he has a hilarious name that works into my pop culture references. This is perfect. This well, is the perfect storm for me. Well, Andrew, what's your – I like those – the one thing, Kevin, is Kirby Smart is so close to getting a college head coaching job. If he moves to pros, I don't know how that affects that. And and does, Alabama, does Bama run a three-four? They don't run a three-four, right? Yeah, uh, I think they do. I think they, they do. do. I, and, I thought they did run. A, I thought they did run a three-four. And Bama already okay. pays him, and they already pay him a shitload of money. So Andrew, do you have names that you particularly want, or do you have, or if you don't have names, do you want a retread guy, or do you want somebody young and inexperienced that we've never heard of? I'm going to throw one name out there, but before I do that, in theory, I'm I'm with Kevin. I don't really want Mangini. I don't really want Mangini. Yeah, I I don't really want. I mean, we we've already done that. You know, we've already done the big name coach. And I mean, you could argue that the Greg Williams deal was successful because he actually, you know, he won a Super Bowl with him. So, you know, based on that, you could argue that that was a good pickup, but. Um, it ended poorly, and uh, you know, obviously, it didn't work out at all with Spags, who at the time was was a you know a notable pickup. It was you know a big name. So, um, I, I don't want to see the Saints just settle again for some guy that's got a lot of credentials and and uh, you know is kind of established and has success. If anything, I want to see some young, hungry guy who's going to come in, bust his ass, and uh, try to prove himself. So. Um, that's more appealing to me at this point, a young up-and-coming guy. So from that standpoint, I don't know much about college coaches, and I don't know much about smart. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously Alabama's defense is fantastic. So, And, you know, obviously his lineage is solid coming from Saban. So I, I have no problem with that, and I like that. One name I want to throw out there is an assistant coach for the Green Bay Packers by the name of Winston Moss. And Moss has actually been a coach for the Saints in the past. Um, and he's been a linebacker coach for them, and he's been in the Packers system for a few years now and as the linebackers coach, and they operate a 3-4, and he has worked under Dom Capers, and he's one of the hottest assistants, I believe, in the NFL right now. He's a young coach. He's a smart coach. He's a guy that played very well in the NFL, and uh, I think he's a guy that the players would respect, and I think he would come in and he would be hungry, and I think he is the kind of guy that knows the system. He's a young ex- excellent assistant coach that 
has you know a good name, good character around the league, and I think he fits the mold kind of of what the Saints look at in terms of character and in terms of intelligence, but also just in terms of you know the hardworking guy that that uh, the players are going to respect. So I think he's a good fit, and he worked under Hazlitt in New Orleans too. And you know while Hazlitt didn't have a great tenure here. Um, that's another defensive coach that he was under that, uh, you know, Hazlitt, for, for what it's worth, is definitely one of the premier defensive coaches and had a fantastic year in Washington um, this past year as a defensive coordinator. And when you add that with Don Capers, I think he's got great lineage. So that's just one name I want to throw out there. Winston Moss is a guy that I think would be a good candidate. Dave, do you have a candidate or a, sort of a philosophy you want the Saints to follow in the hiring process? You know, just I don't give a shit what the name is. I don't give a shit where he came from. Uh, you know, as long as he's good and as long as he gets the job done, that's all I care about. Uh, I would say more than likely. I mean, it's already been reported that they're interested in Romeo Cornell and Eric Mangini. Uh, so I would say more than likely, despite what Kevin and, and what Andrew want, it's probably going to be one of those two guys. Um but uh, whoever they hire, suggested they're coming in tandem. Yeah, would, what's that? Some have suggested that they might be coming in tandem. But with I Cornell as the defensive coordinator and Mangini as, yeah, I can't remember if it was linebackers or. or well, I mean, that sounds that sounds that sounds quite ideal. I mean, that sounds like that's a big you know, step down for Mangini, though. Gee whiz. Yeah, well, it I would be. It would be, but they just can't be choosers. I was going to say, it would would be ideal only if they work the following language into Romeo Cornell's contract. Under no circumstances will you ever be the head coach of this team. If Sean Payton can I'm pretty sure that Sean Payton is going to make that known. Under no circumstances can he ever be the head coach. Defensive coordinator, great, fine. Good. You can you can coach him up. You can you can you know squeeze fucking lemonade out of a stone or blood from a turnip or whatever the fucking euphemism or metaphors are. That's great. But when it comes to head coaching decisions, it's 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 like this guy is you know a fucking nine year old trying to fight his older brother who, and yeah, he's being held off the thing. If you had to pick one person to coach the Saints team, you had it: Romeo Cornell, seventy-five year old Mike Ditka. Or a cardboard cutout of Jim Caldwell. Really Who would you pick? A cardboard cutout of Jim Caldwell. Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd probably take the cardboard I'd probably take the cardboard because we could probably because you could basically just say, "All right, Pete Carmichael and Drew Brees are running things," uh, and uh, you know, just whoever the defensive coordinator is, just let them run things. All right, last last thing, and then we'll and then we'll wrap this thing up. Andrew, give me a predict. Give me give me a prediction on if the Saints are going to get the second round pick back, and give me a give me give me a prediction on who the defensive coordinator is going to be. You want me to just pick who I think it will be? Yeah, who you think it will? Okay, be. Okay, well, I, I think it's going to be Cornell. I agree with this. I mean, I I want a young guy. I want you know I, I want to kind of do something outside the box for a change, but. Um, I, I think it's going to be Cornell. I mean, Sean Payton gets what he wants. It's already been leaked that that's kind of their optimal target at this point. So, um, 
I, I think the, the only thing is, and this has been reported, that he's owed $4.5 million this year, and so he's going to get that no matter what. And so, obviously, no one's going to pay him that much this year. And so, you know, if the Saints were to hire him, um, let's say pay him a million, um, then the the Browns would only be on the hook for paying him 3.5, basically the difference of whatever he makes. So whether he coaches the Saints or any other team or basically takes a year off, he's making the same amount of money. Um, so based on that, I think that's the main thing staying in the way of the Saints landing. And it's like, you know, what's the point? Like what, what's the point in coaching the Saints when he's not going to make any more money? You know, he could just sit out a year. Um, so that, I think that's the main obstacle, but uh, I, I think Sean Payton and Joe Vitt are pretty convincing guys, and I think if that's the guy they decide they want, um, I do believe we'll get him. So, and look, I mean, I, I don't want a big name guy, but if if you get him and Mangini in tandem, that's, that's those are two pretty impressive names. Now, um, I want to see the product on the field, um, but if, if they're motivated and they do a good job, um, there's reason to believe that uh, the defense could be much improved. Kevin, who do you, do you think they'll get the second round pick back, and who do you think will be the defensive coordinator? Well, they're they're not getting the second round pick back because uh, Goodell was on Reddit today, and uh, and when he wasn't getting trolled by uh, <laughs> or ripped by uh, by Vikings punter Chris Cluey, he actually he actually managed to he actually managed to give a serious fucking answer as opposed to being a politician with everybody else. And somebody flat out asked him. Uh, are the Saints getting the second round pick back? And he said, No, they're not. And it was it was like a one sentence answer. He's like, No, they're not getting the second round pick back. And that was it. Yeah. There was no no I didn't, I didn't see that. further explanation. You and you that? know when you're supreme, yeah, I did. I I okay. I didn't see. I didn't read the whole Reddit. I just read a recap. You don't have to give an explanation. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much all there it was all there was to that. Uh, who, who do I think? I'm, I'm sticking to my, I'm going to stick to my fucking guns and I'm just going to say it's going to be a college guy. I'm, and I'm, I'm sticking with, uh, Kirby Smart or, uh, or, uh, Lord Grantham. Dave, who are the Saints going to hire as defensive coordinator? Cornell. Cornell. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be man genius. I think it's going to be the man genius. And he's coming from, is he coming from Cleveland now? Yeah, he'd become. Uh, he was out of football, wasn't he, this year? He's been out of yeah. He, he yeah. He's, uh, been, he's been on ESPN for a couple of years. He's, he's actually, actually pretty good on ESPN. He's actually it's weird because he, man, he Mangini was so terrible with the media in New York and Cleveland, but he got to ESPN and he's actually he's actually of the of the the all the talking heads on ESPN. I don't hate him. So, uh, go to Saints Nation and. Uh, Read Andrew Jude's stuff. Go to Canal Street Chronicles and see what satire Dave has cooked up to trick the masses. Uh, and you can read Kevin's power poll when he gets around to it. Kevin, are we going to have off-season versions of the power poll? Yeah, I'm going to have to just think of like uh, some weird, random topics of uh, of things. I, I tell you what I'm thinking of doing, and I can say this, and it'll sort of like I'm copywriting it in advance. Uh, I'm thinking of ranking all the uh, all the Pelicans logos. Uh, like all the ones that were bandied about like a couple months ago, like they, they some professional designers had like a contest and tried designing some uh, some logos, and there was a lot of a lot of really good ones out there. So I may just like go on and rank them, and uh, you know, may just throw out a lot of random stuff and you know, movie stuff that uh, that Dave doesn't know about because he you know apparently doesn't leave his house only to eat. 
Kevin, can you just make sure that the last place uh, logo gets named the Jeff Duncan? Can you can you do that? <laughs> Actually, you know what? I tell you what, we'll do that now. Whatever comes in last place on any ranking that I do from here on out, I don't care if it's about ranking creme brulee dishes. The last place will be called the Jeff Duncan. <laughs> and on that note, people, thanks for joining the Mega Podcast. For Andrew, for Dave, for Kevin, I'm Ralph. So long, people. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.